Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Dreamers Cup Fitness Podcast, a radio show coming to you on this Monday evening here. Really quick with an Instagram Q&A uh, answer session, so I, where I take your guys' questions that you asked and answer them directly uh, the best of my ability, hopefully within reason, um, if they make enough sense. So, uh, hope you guys have an amazing uh, Monday so far. Quick reminder, our Mandatory Mobility Program, which is a program that uh, I coach you guys and walk you through every step of the way for all 30 days on how to you know move better and feel better. We're talking you know flexibility, mobility, stretching, tissue work, any things that are bothering you guys, whether it be knee, hip, ankle issues, lumbar stuff, shoulder things. Um, if you find yourself sitting in a desk, traveling a lot, doing things that put your body into you know unnatural healthy positions, and over time uh, we become tight, bound up, we're losing range of motion. This program would be for you. Uh, we kick off in four days and I believe 21 hours and about 15 minutes and the timer is counting. So if you guys are interested, uh, shoot me a message, send me a DM. I will give you guys a specific podcast discount code. So just because you're podcast listeners, we're going to give you guys a discount on the program and then through 30 days, um, 100% online, you guys will follow through with me. Um, Everything is preset, it's done in there, and then obviously every step of the way I will coach you through it. Uh, And I'm traveling quite a bit during the next 30 days. So we'll do what I do on the road, in the hotels, my go-to, um, then obviously answering any of your questions. So I think, you know, bang for your buck, it's the, it's the least, I'll put it this way, it's the, it's the best, one of the best programs that we do in terms of what people really need to help them, uh, and it's the hardest one to sell, so I don't really go very hard on it because I'm not trying to convince people, you know, to do things that they should be doing on their own. I don't believe in that. But if you guys are listening, like, you know what, man, my mobility does suck. I have been having some issues. I'm not making it a priority before I work out, after a workout or intra workout. This program would be for you and I'll give it to you at a discount. Um, and I can promise you guys, if you do this and you really sell to it for 30 days, you're going to find out things about your body, imbalances you have, things that are tight, things that are sore, maybe issues you didn't really realize were there. And, and our body is really good at basically hiding. From it, if that makes sense, your body's really good at hiding from the pain. So if you have some some nagging things that are there, maybe some soft tissue stuff or some scar tissue built up or some adhesions, your body does everything it can to not be in pain every single day. So you will move differently because of those things. And our goal is to find them, eradicate them over time, so you guys can get into deeper postures, get into better range of motion, look better, move better, and feel better for life. So just my two cents. If you're interested, hit me up quickly because you have a four days from right now. It is June the 10th. And we will kick off some, I believe Monday it starts, but we close registration over the weekend so I can get everybody set up and kick an ass. So let's go right to the questions. Nothing super insane here. Again, just taking what you guys have asked and hopefully uh, provide some value for you guys who ask specifically. And for the rest of you, hopefully you get a, a few tidbits of information along the way. So question one, for lean athletes, best two-week strategy before beach vacation uh, you, my friend, uh, B. Marzo 18 you, my friend, are the Coachella person uh, that we work with. You're the person who wants to look sexy for the beach. I get it. Um, you know, lean's a relative term. I'm not sure, but my advice to anybody, whether it be two weeks, we have a podcast uh, titled How to Get in Better Shape in Six to Eight Weeks. Same protocol here. Uh, I would get quality sleep. I would not stress about a bunch of stupid shit. Uh, I would drink fluid as much as possible every single day. I would eat you know, at a calorie deficit inside my macro ranges. If I'm talking, you know, being completely honest here, if I was to do it, I would go higher proteins, you know, higher fats, uh, eating carbohydrates only for fuel for me, just because I know how my body responds to carbohydrates. 
Uh, and then I would work out, obviously, you know, with a purpose and be very diligent. I would probably increase the activity level you're currently doing. So if you're currently working out for 30 minutes a day, I would take it to 45 or an hour if you can, because you're trying to kind of push the pace and be very mindful of everything that goes into your body and uh, just do the best you can. I mean, that, that's pretty much it. You know, two weeks is not, is not a crazy amount of time, but if you're really diligent and you cut out, obviously, all the booze, all the processed sugars and bullshit, and you eat basically plants and animals and drink water and are very diligent with your strength training and your aerobic training and you're getting quality sleep, I think you can, uh, you can do a lot of damage in a positive way in, in 14 short days. Next question on the list. Thoughts on the keto diet, Ashton underscore R. Murray. Uh, full podcast on the keto diet, Ashton. Synopsis of it. Uh, does it work? For sure. Uh, just like basically all dieting protocols work for the most part. I think I have a great infographic here. Let me look through my show notes really fast. Just on, and I can't remember who put this out. If Lane Norton had put this out, I think originally, um, kind of the, the counterculture diets, right? Every diet has an equal and opposing diet. So uh, the list I have here is like, you know, some people say go vegan. And, you know, the argument would be go carnivore, which we've done a podcast on as well. People will say eat eight meals per day versus intermittent fasting. People will say no carbs after 6 p.m. And then Kiefer will say carb backloading is a protocol where you're eating all of your carbohydrates later in the day uh, before you go to sleep. Low-carb diet versus a low-fat diet. Clean eating versus, you know, if it fits your macros, flexible dieting. Common sense diet versus the alkaline diet. And the, the takeaway is, you know, no diet is magic. Um, a diet only causes weight loss if it puts you in a calorie deficit. And that's probably the biggest takeaway for people in general, just understanding that, you know, we want things to be magic. We want them to go, you know, super quick, super fast, super amazing. We think that, you know, if we do this, there's some, uh, you know, mystical power that, that this diet has or another one. And the reality is it's not true. Um, there's certain things that are going to work better for certain people, whatever you can make a lifestyle and keep sustainable. And in terms of the keto diet, does it work? Yeah. I mean, on the premise of if you're in a deficit, you're going to lose weight. And it basically is eliminating an entire macronutrient. Now, not completely. You can eat some carbohydrates on keto, but for most of you guys, it's probably you know less than 40 grams a day. A lot of you guys, it's probably less than 30 or 20 grams a day of carbohydrates. And for a lot of you, that's a miserable way to live your life. And I don't think it's very sustainable. Now, I have some people in our facility, in our programs who do uh, go full keto, uh, but they're very type A people. They're, you know, people who, they're, they're dentists, they're CEOs, they're doctors, they're people who, uh, you know, committed a, a life to 10 years of school, like the longest schooling you can do. So therefore, they're, they're willing to set a goal and follow through with it, no matter how hard or how miserable it is. And I think a lot of people on keto can start off hot, um, and then they fade because they want to, you know, have a couple beers. They want to, you know, eat cinnamon rolls. They want to like live a normal fucking life once in a while. And it's very hard to do. Now, if you're very driven and motivated and it works for you, then great. But a lot of times people will cut out the carbohydrates and then they're eating 67 pieces of bacon a day and they're still not losing weight. So my takeaway is, does it work? For sure. Because it puts you in a deficit if the calories are under, you know, what's, you know, you guys are burning. Short of that, like I don't think it's sustainable for a lifestyle. Just my two cents. Again, nothing against it. I think all, I think anything you can make a lifestyle that you're healthy uh, and happy, and, and you're looking and moving and feeling the way you want to, I think that's that's a good way to go. But for most people, I think the failure rate's probably about 99% or even higher, uh, in my opinion. Next on the list, uh, Jake Fagan underscore testosterone. My man, we just had uh, Dr. Ben Evans on, did a full podcast on testosterone. Give it a listen. It, he's amazing. Uh, answered, you know, about 99% of my questions. I could have asked even more, but uh, a great podcast for sure. Next one, the difference between HITS and Metcon. I want to give you my two cents. Uh, I don't have a lot of stuff prepared for this. I'm literally reading these off the cuff because I want to go watch the, the NBA Finals game here. Uh, but hit high, HIT, high intensity interval training. 
I think a lot of people say they do hit stuff and basically they're just doing, you know, semi-hard aerobic work. That's me being a cynic from the outside. I don't know what you guys are doing behind closed doors, but people will tell me, hey, I went and did a hit class for 60 minutes and immediately my brain's like, you're full of shit. And the reason I say it is because when things are high intent, and I guess it's relative, what high intensity is to me might be different than Rick down the street, might be different from Cindy next door. Um, But my version of high intensity interval training are the, the negative protocols. So people will say, I'm not saying you can't do like Tabata stuff 2010, but if you've ever ridden an assault bike and went 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off for one, one four minute set, that last five, six, seven, so here's an example. First 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. That first 20 seconds, you might get 25 calories done. You pop off for 10 seconds, you pop back on. The next 20 seconds, you might get 18 calories. You pop back off the third set, you might be at 15 if you're lucky. My point is, is by set six, seven, and eight of that 2010 four minute protocol, you're, you're literally like at like 50 watts. Like your watts went from like a thousand on the bike to like 50 because you, you just don't have it. Like nobody can recover that quickly from that max effort stuff. So what I say when I think of, you know, and that is in essence high intensity interval training, but you can do that for about four minutes. You can't do that for, if anybody is listening, and you think you can put an assault bike on 20 on 10 off and do that for 20 minutes in a row, I would love to watch you. Just film me the last five minutes. I would love to see the effort. I'd love to see the numbers and, and how you feel when you're moving. It just, it's not a sustainable thing. So when I think of high intensity, A, I think of that like a short increments, like you know less than five minutes or less than 10 minutes, or if it's a longer duration, I'm talking negative like rest to work period. So meaning, one of the hardest, you know, high intensity interval circuits we did, and I don't know, remember the entire workout. I have to uh, message Jesse for it, but I know it was like ball slams, uh, assault bike was in there. I think burpees were in there. I think thrusters were in there, and maybe even just like a basic jump rope. Uh, but what we did was we did 12 seconds on, 48 seconds off, and people are like, "Well, that sounds super easy." I'm like, "If you really ride an assault bike for 12 seconds max effort, toast. If you're really going burpees, as many as you can squeeze in in 12 seconds, and you're quick enough." Toast, ball slams, toast, thrusters, you're smoked. Now, because it's so intense and it's so draining, you need at least that 48 seconds to recover. If you guys are doing it, in my opinion, the high, the real high intensity interval stuff, you're working for 10 seconds and you're resting for 20 seconds or 30 seconds or 40 seconds even, or maybe even a minute because it's so intense and it's so draining inside that increment. Now, there's a million ways you can go. We can split hairs and people can you know, message me and and hate on me for saying this, but that's the way that I look at it and see it. I think if you're really going intense, it's like, if you ever watch somebody sprint 100 meters, it's not like they're doing 66 sprints in an hour. They're doing like a 100 meter sprint, walking back for like three, four minutes, and then do another 100 meter sprint. And for most of these guys, you're talking 100 meters in 15 seconds, 14 seconds, 13 seconds, 12 seconds. So they're doing between 12 to 15 seconds of work, but taking three minutes to rest because the body needs that to recover to keep that intensity level that high. Now, in terms of Metabolic conditioning is a very blanket statement. Metabolic conditioning would refer to like a structured pattern of work and rest periods that's gonna give you a desired response for the body. So meaning that response could be maximum efficiency um, for a particular energy system. So the body has you know seven different ways, I guess, of getting there. So in a nutshell, 
Metcon stuff, the way I look at it is, it, that's my dog keeping me safe from uh, the Amazon and UPS guys, so I apologize, I'm at home right now. Uh, you know, metabolic conditioning would be exercise that burns a shit ton of calories inside the workout and keeps those calories burning post-workouts, not just walking on a treadmill. That would not be a form of metabolic conditioning. Uh, to me, it's where it involves the entire body. You know, you're using probably all four limbs multiple times during the workout. You do have short rest periods. And you're designated to kind of push the limits in terms of strength and endurance inside the same section. Now, that's a, that's a really broad term when I say that, and there's a million ways you can go about it. Some of our you know, metabolic conditioning stuff might be mostly aerobic. We might have a strength component, it might be an aerobic component, and it might last you know, 22, 17 minutes, 22 minutes, or 46 minutes. Now, there's no high intensity stuff we can do for 46 minutes, so that's kind of where I would draw the line in terms of that, where the Metcon stuff doesn't necessarily have to have an interval in there. Does that make sense? So when it says high intensity interval training, if you did a, a workout, but there was no work to rest period, that essentially is not high intensity interval training because there is no intervals. You're just doing a blanket workout. If you do like a Metcon day, where it's as many rounds as possible, you just set the clock for 25 minutes, that would be a Metcon because you're just going through, it's, you know, we're doing thrusters, we're doing lunges, maybe we push a sled, we're doing jumping jacks, we might do a handful of other things, whether it be loaded, unloaded, and you're working multiple systems in that same capacity. And again, there's not an interval there, you're just working for time. So that to me would be the biggest difference. Both have great benefits, uh, but they are definitely two different things for sure. Next one, women's hormone replacement therapy. Susan Campbell, 13. Susan, I will get, uh, I'll, I'm gonna do my best to try to get uh, maybe Dr. Susan Wilder on here. Um, she used to run stuff over at the Mayo Clinic here. She has her own uh, medical place here now called Lifescape. I'll see if I can get her on. We've, we've done some videos with her on YouTube as well. Uh, she took my wife and I through spectrocell testing. She's in a couple mandatory minutes. Uh, and I'll see if I can get her on the podcast and be a guest to help with women's hormone replacement because I'm a dude and I don't know a ton about women's hormone replacement. I know enough uh, to be dangerous, but not enough to be an expert and sound intelligent on here. So I'll bring somebody on who can uh, you know, outsmart me in that uh, most definitely. Next one, uh, Triple NX, uh, his question was, do you vary your macro ratios based on your activity for the day or do you decrease the calories? Uh, I do both. Uh, depends on the time of the year, what I have going on, what I'm trying to do you know, looks-wise, what I'm trying to do performance-wise, if I have stuff to do for other people, if we're filming certain things. Uh, what I'll say is this, on a normal day, I kind of go through the motions and I eat uh, at about the same level, you know, whatever I choose to. And I pretty much know the macros within reason. Now, if I'm going to have increased activity, uh, like I know it's going to be a ton, I'm going to increase the activity level. Or if I know I'm going to eat uh, things that are outside of the norm, if I'm going to go to like an In-N-Out burger and eat some cookies and, and eat maybe, you know, 5,000 calories in a day, I'm going to up the workload for me specifically. And then what I also will do if I have a cheat day or like a treat day, if you will, or a, or a bigger calorie surplus meal at night, I typically do it on a Saturday. So I'll work out on Saturday hard. I fast most of the day. I eat that meal. And then Sunday I wake up fasted and I train and we typically do our hardest Metcon day that day. And I'm using that caloric surplus from the day before to fuel my workout for Sunday. I tend to find that works best. I have the most energy that way. I train harder that way. And I also selfishly tend to, to look the way I want to as well. So um, I go both ways, but I think for you guys, common sense wise, if you're gonna do more, you can eat more. If you're gonna do less, you can eat less. On days that I travel and fly, typically you know across the country or overseas specifically, I don't really eat a lot. Um, I just try to stay as hydrated as possible because I'm not moving. I'm just sitting on my ass for hours and hours and my body obviously doesn't need the same uh, amount of nutrients and, and calories uh, to perform. So hopefully that helped answer your question. Next one, 
meal prepping tips and ideas. Uh, for sure, real basic stuff. Most, you know, what I used to do back in the days, I would prep meals on Sundays and Wednesdays. I don't do that anymore. Um, I eat twice a day, and that's kind of how I roll through my day. I don't need to really prep anything because I kind of control my schedule. I can work when I work, and I can quit working when I want to quit working. So it, it works for me. But for you guys, definitely having uh, things when you travel for sure. Having you know, savor foods in your car, at your desk, at work, or, or in your, your refrigerator at work, whatever it is. Uh, prepping a couple meals uh, with you for the week, I think, is ideal. At least for like a breakfast, lunch, dinner, if that's how you eat. Having something from the night before. Um, having some things in your house ready when you get there to eat to shove in your mouth, especially when you're starving. Even if it's something as simple as like guacamole and veggies or hummus and veggies just to chew on while you're making dinner so you don't grab your kids Teddy Grahams and Doritos and shit like that. I think that's key. For me, the only thing I really say is in our office, if, if worst case scenario, we have uh, the protein candy beef jerky, which I believe is the best beef jerky on the planet. Uh, if you guys want a discount code, I'm happy to send it to you. It's all real stuff. They use grass-fed beef. They put coffee in it. It's actually, it actually is amazing, and they've made it so soft now. Thank you, Jason. It's 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 uh, it's a thousand times better uh, than when they put it out. I, I do really love it. So we'll we'll keep that. And so if I'm starving in a pinch. I can grab that, I always have water, uh, you know, like a Gatorade Zero or a Powerade Zero, just something with some flavor, uh, and I'll go about my day. And if for you guys, I would say having, you know, like nuts, beef jerky, maybe chia bars or different things in your car. I'm going to do a video on my travel to go foods here uh, in a little bit, and I'll post it on Instagram TV so you guys can see it. But I think having, having a meal or two ready at your house is crucial. Having some stuff in your car, at your desk, at work, and then knowing, you know, what your day and week's going to look like. So what I tell most people is to try to plan out the night before or the day before. Look at your week on Sunday. If, if your week typically starts on Monday, look at what your week's looking like. Look at if you have to go to any uh, business dinners or social obligations and, and do the best you can. If you have to eat before that so you're not starving when you get there, that's key. So you eat less around those people. I think what we do is we know we're going to go to these things and so we don't eat and like, well, I'm going to enjoy the food. And that's fine if you choose to, but you probably have different goals than some of your people you're social with. And I just talked to a guy today, very successful uh, businessman, and uh, he gained about 50 pounds in the past, I don't know, probably like a year, which is really, it's just, it's fucking hard to do, man. That's not not 50 pounds in a good way. And what he said was, he, you know, at least three, four times a week, he has to do social stuff, whether it be happy hours or dinners with clients. And I understand, I get it. My, my wife lives kind of a, a similar lifestyle at times, and it is hard. But when you're doing that, what you have to realize is you're doing it three, four times a week, and then you're enjoying it at the same scale as everybody you're entertaining three, four times a week. But for a lot of those people, it's only once a week for them. It's maybe only once a month for them or once every six months for them, but yet you're doing it multiple times a week. So they want to have the drinks and the $37 lobster mac and cheese and all the normal stuff. And you can't afford to do that three, four times a week if you have specific goals. So that's where you being hydrated, working out, and then eating something before so you're not hitting their starving so you make a better choice when you're there. And then obviously, you know, you pick and choose how you want to do the drinks and certain things. And I'm not telling you not to live your life and enjoy events with clients, but if you're doing it three or four times a week, is it really a special occasion? Do you really need to be enjoying it that much? And so to me, not going to the grocery store starving, not going to a restaurant starving uh, is a great way for you guys to kind of circumvent that. And then obviously being, you know, prepared uh, and planning ahead is also key. Hopefully that uh, helps. Next question. Drew Abel underscore 88, what goes into your two meals that complete your calories and total macros? Well, Drew, uh, my, it depends on the day. Um, I, I've talked about this before, like how I eat on a daily basis, but like, for example, if I come home a lot of times, uh, I'll work out, and then my first meal uh, is, is relatively pretty big. 
Uh, I'm taking my taking, taking my supplements. I always take Athletic Greens uh, before I eat. It, it just it's kind of my go-to, and it, I tend to do what I do is like a little kid. Like I try to eat the stuff I, I don't love and I don't like as much first, and save the stuff I love to later. And that way, if I'm really full and stuff, I tend not to eat that stuff as much. Like if you hate vegetables, eat your vegetables first. Like it's pretty common sense. Like it's like how you can't go from eating you know, Ben and Jerry's and then go eat Halo Top because then Halo Top will taste like shit. Now, if you just eat Halo Top, it tastes amazing. Does that make sense? Like you can't go from eating your favorite eight things and then you're kind of full and now you still have asparagus left and you don't love asparagus. So I tend to do it that way. So I come home and take my supplements, uh, I take my athletic greens. Uh, I usually will have like a chicken sausage in abundance, probably like uh, grams wise of protein, probably at 40 to 50 grams of protein in chicken sausage. I chop that up. I have two or three uh, whole omega-3 eggs. I'll put those in there. Uh, maybe I'll do like a cup or a cup and a half of cottage cheese, which is actually quite a bit. And then an the entire bag, I do like the bird's eye uh, cauliflower rice. I'll dump that on there, salt, pepper, all that stuff. Uh, once in a while, I'll sprinkle a little cheese on. If I can, I'll throw in some Brussels sprouts, asparagus. So it's actually a pretty dense meal. Uh, depending on the workout and for the day, what I'll do is uh, we have these better oats, oatmeal. So I'll do like basically a pack of that. I'll dump chia seeds in there with a little bit of almond milk and some cinnamon. And, you know, if I really want to go crazy, I'll cut up like a half a banana, toss it in there. Uh, I mean, put cinnamon all over that shit because I love cinnamon. And that's pretty much probably like my first meal there uh, for the day. Uh, Macros-wise, I don't really know where it falls. And, and, again, that can change and shift. And later in the day, I do, again, an abundance of meat, uh, vegetables. I'm back on the cauliflower rice. I, if I want to go crazy, I'll squeeze in like a Power Crunch bar and some other things like that. Uh, some nut butters. I'm getting better at controlling myself with nut butters and buying the individual packets uh, so I can have those. But it really just depends on the day and what I'm doing. But uh, for the most part, that's kind of what the day would look like. So I'm probably around 200, you know, over more grams of protein. A lot of days are probably well over 200 grams of protein, but I, I try to stay around that range. Fats, I'm probably like, you know, in 100 grams, give or take. And then carbohydrates, man, it, it just varies on the day. Uh, like if I'm doing more, if my body's beat to shit and I'm doing more of like a bro workout, which means like to me, uh, heavy mobility, light aerobic work, and then uh, biceps, triceps, and all like the accessory body parts, I might only eat like 100 and some carbohydrates or like 100 carbs that day. And if I'm doing, you know, squatting, deadlifting, which like on Friday, it was it did 10 sets. What did I do Friday? Uh, back squatting, uh, just all I had is just 205, but I did 10 sets of 10. Uh, which is which is a lot. Uh, I, for some reason, I felt really good for something. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I haven't back squat in a while. We'll go. So I had 10 sets of 10 to 205, and then I did uh, 315 deadlifts, uh, 5 by 10, so 50 total reps of 315, which is, again, these numbers aren't super crazy for me, you guys. It's just it is a lot of volume. Uh, walking lunges for 500 yards, uh, and then just did a, a certain set of calf raises and then a squat jump protocol, like explosive, uh, really hardcore squat jumps. And so on that day, I might eat 300 carbohydrates or more, depending on how depleted my body is and how I feel. I just I kind of do like almost like intuitive eating. I don't really track the macros that close at this point because I eat two meals a day, and they're typically the same two meals, unless, like I said, I had a really uh, taxing workout. Uh, but again, I used to track it on my fitness pal every single day for. Or, Actually, even before my fitness pal, I used to track it on pen and paper every day for about five years. I don't think I missed a day for almost like five years in a row. Um, it's pretty obsessive in all reality. So now I know if when I eat oatmeal, if it's you know 27 grams of carbohydrates and half a cup of oatmeal, I know that. If a banana is 30 grams of sugar, like I know what's going on there. So I, you start to know things, but that's typically what my two meals would look like. Basically, plants and animals. 
is what I eat for 99% of my food. Plants and animals is what I do. And uh, that's it. So hopefully that uh, helps shed some light on you. And again, it works for me. Um, some days I eat one big meal. Sometimes it's two meals. It really just depends on how I'm moving and how I'm feeling and, and what works best for me. Uh, and again, that's why I would urge you guys to find something that works for your lifestyle. And people always ask, you know, what do you eat? How tall are you? How big are you? I'm like, what I do... It doesn't necessarily mean it's what you should do. And I don't know a lot of people who are going to wake up at, you know, before 4 o'clock in the morning and go the entire day and not eat till 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's what I do. Um, but I feel better that way. I don't feel bloated. I don't feel gross. I go to the bathroom regular. I feel like I have energy. I get tired just like you guys do. But I'd rather be a little bit hungry and feel a little bit empty than feel like bloated and gross and disgusting and having like heartburn uh, while I'm training and feeling sick to my stomach. I just, I hate that. Uh, more than I hate feeling a little bit hungry or a little bit uh, run down, if you will. So hopefully I helped answer. Next question, uh, Aaron Bartz. Do your people track calories from supplements like omega-3s and athletic greens and BCAAs? 100%. Our people track everything. Uh, I know a lot of people will say, well, you know, if it's vegetables, you don't have to track uh, vegetables. Uh, I don't know where that came from. It's complete horseshit. Everything counts. It just does. It's like just if you're if you have a bank account and you're putting in $100 bills, $1 bills or, you know, nickels, it all adds up. It's all money. Uh, and again, does the do the nickels take longer to add up than the $100 bills? For sure they do. And do carrots take longer to add up than Sour Patch Kids? 100%, but they still add up. And if you're at a caloric surplus at a calorie surplus of 200 calories per day and you're not losing weight, Sometimes it can be the littlest things that you didn't think mattered. It's, it's, and again, I'm not blaming carrots because carrots are never probably the reason, but it's like, you know, an extra two tablespoons of olive oil, two extra servings of peanut butter, you know, an extra, you know, half piece of fruit you didn't, you didn't think about. Certain things like that, they do matter uh, and it's important. So yes, our people track everything uh, just to get them in the habit of doing it so they're mindful of it and they see it. Not that I think something like athletic greens or like BCAAs or the omegas are going to be, you know, a game changer for most people unless you're like really down to the nitty gritty. But I do think it's important just to track everything, just to have a habit, to see what it is and understand it. I think to me, education is key. And when you're manually putting it in yourself, you're learning something, A, about your eating habits and patterns, and then you can look back and audit and say, hey, I felt good this day, I felt shitty these days, oh, I didn't do my athletic greens that day, so I didn't have energy, or I didn't eat any fruit this day, or ate too many carbohydrates that day, so I felt bloated, or whatever it is. So I do think it is important to track everything, at least when you're starting up front. I think uh, people can learn a lot about themselves, their eating patterns, their habits, and, and how they feel, and what, what foods do and don't work with their body uh, you know, directly. Next one, uh, meal prepping, how to do it best, recipes, best containers. DC, well, I already answered your question. Hopefully you enjoy it. Recipes, if you guys want a free recipe guide, hit me up. Say, Jeremy, listen to the podcast. We have 54 protein-packed free recipes I can send you in a PDF, which will be yours. We also have a smoothie guide as well that's free. We have a restaurant guide if you're in the Scottsdale, Phoenix uh, kind of area. That would be helpful. And then on our YouTube channel, I think we have about 40 recipes there in video format. And then if you search the Jeremy Scuffin's blog, there's tons and tons of recipes uh, you can take with you. In terms of containers, always went with the basic Tupperware stuff, uh, you know, but I was broke and I was a cheap ass, so that worked for me. Hopefully it works for you. But if you guys do want a recipe guide uh, that's protein-packed or a smoothie guide, you can hit me up. I'm happy to share that with you. We put a lot of thought into that, a lot of good ideas, a lot of fun stuff. Some of you might like, some of you might hate, but hey, it's free. And now we put it together for you, and we're willing to share it if you just shoot me a message. Next question on the list, uh, Panda HD 79 how to ease back into training post-injury or surgery? Like anything, I always say contact your physician, uh, your PT, whoever you're working with. 
see when they, you know, clear you for activity. Uh, let, let them know, hey, I want to do this, I want to do that. See if they clear you uh, and they say it's okay. Obviously, it depends on the extent of the injury. If you had a ruptured Achilles or like a, a torn ACL or, or a bicep tear, obviously the recovery is probably a little bit longer, a little bit more intense. If you had a sprained ankle, probably not as crazy. Again, it depends on the severity. I remember one time I had a pulled hamstring. I think that what do they classify that as probably like a grade two, I think, uh, where my butt cheek turned black and blue. That was gnarly. Um, I couldn't walk very well. I really couldn't, uh, I couldn't touch my toes. I really couldn't demo any exercises. And I, I remember I was competing. I did like the Fit USA uh, competition for bodybuilding.com probably about four or five weeks after that. I was doing sprints with our people on a Sunday and we were doing a staycation at this resort. I remember our car was parked so far away from our hotel room and I was like basically walking like I had a stick on my ass the whole time because it was so difficult for me to even just, you know, Minimal range of motion. Anything I did felt like it was really pulling on the back of the hamstring. It was gnarly. Uh, not one of my favorite things. So I couldn't do aerobic work in terms of like, you know, even jogging, skater hops, uh, running, anything for probably about three to four weeks. So uh, it really just depends. I always say err on the side of caution. Start slow. Uh, go with mobility work. Go with body weight stuff. Be very careful how you load. Um, because to me, honestly, like, you know, live to fight another day. We're not trying to, you know, who cares if we don't look good for, you know, the next three weeks. We're trying to look good for the next 30 years. And I, and I don't want to sacrifice, you know, short-term gains for long-term results. I don't. I want you guys to be able to to move and to train and to be as competitive and as active as possible all the way through your life. That's why I don't do a lot of really high-risk activities. I don't think it's worth it. Uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not against running. If you guys love it, that's fine. I think humans naturally do run. But if it can be running on, you know, softer grass, if you can be running on sand, if you can be running on a, on a padded surface, just because I'm well over 200 pounds, and uh, every time I take a step, it really is uh, taxing on my knees, hip, and ankles, and I just don't think for longevity purposes, you know, at some point something's going to go, whether it's a hip for me or a knee or an ankle, and I don't really want to, I don't want that to happen. I'd like to, you know, knock on wood, go through uh, you know, this entire fitness life of mine, you know, injury free and whether that happens or not, who knows, but I don't want to be the one who caused it. It's kind of like people who smoke cigarettes and then they end up getting lung cancer. Like you, that has to feel terrible, obviously for the fact that you got lung cancer, but number one, because you did it to your fucking self, like that would suck. I would hate to look back on my life and be like, you know what? I did this to me because of poor, irresponsible choices I was making because I was chasing a, a you know, a short term goal. And, and I really wasn't getting the results I want. Now, if you love running and you're a runner, that's great. Um, but if you're built like me, uh, no offense, running's probably not in the cards. You're not going to be prefontaine, so just you know, we'll let that shit go. It's kind of like I'm not going to be a world-class swimmer. Like I can swim for sure, uh, but I'm heavy at this point. I haven't practiced competitive swimming since I was probably six years old, so not in the cards. So you know, play to your strengths. You know, there's a, there's a million ways you can, you can do things. But again, if you're if you're doing stuff, I always say, you know, like like, and I always use box jump as the example. And I'm not against box jumps, if you want to do them responsibly. But ask yourself, why am I doing these things? Like, why am I doing this activity? Is it to burn calories? Is again, if you're 36 years old and you're doing box jumps, are you what are you trying to do? Be the most explosive guy at Lifetime Fitness in your pickup game? Are you trying to be in the NBA? Like, what, what's the? I don't understand the purpose. Like, can you do it? Sure. Is there a safe way to do it? Sure. Um, you can also run around your house with scissors in your hands. But what's the point? It's not like you know when am I going to get hurt? It's just like it will happen eventually. Like, why risk it? If you're just trying to get a good aerobic workout and get sweaty, there's 87,000 things you can do that won't hurt you that will elicit the same result and be much easier on the joint. So, uh, I know that kind of got off topic a little bit, but hopefully uh, that helps. Next one, 
If I'm fasting and trying to lose weight but keep muscle mass, what's the best way to achieve the goal? You're fasting and trying to lose weight and keep your muscle. Uh, honestly, just you know, eating a healthy, balanced diet, proteins and uh, animals and uh, the plants. And uh, I really, I don't know how to answer that. It's, it's really simple stuff. If you're fasting and you're trying to lose weight, um, but keep your muscle, just keep training. In all reality, keep lifting as heavy as, as you feel comfortable you can. Uh, get enough strength training work in. Uh, be very diligent about your food when you eat it, uh, depending on you know how lean you want to be and how much muscle mass you want to keep. It really just depends. It's tough to answer without knowing how you know big you guys are, how tall you are. When we coach your individual clients, it's a little bit easier for me because I know their height, their weight, what their programming is, what their goals. But again, um, I fast, and uh, I was once, uh, I think the heaviest I ever got was 237 on the scale. Uh, and, and, nah, I, I didn't really like how I looked at 237. I had, a, had a, quite a big moon face. It's really big. Uh, it's really big for a guy like me to be. I have small joints, and it was it was, it was huge. But my point is, is that I went the fasting route, uh, and that's how I. That's the easiest way for me to get lean and stay lean is, is fasting. That's why I do it, and I feel the best that way. So for me, I think it's relatively easy to fast and keep your muscle as long as you're training at least probably two to four legit strength training sessions per week, giving your body enough stimulus. Whether it be strength stuff, hypertrophy stuff, I think if you're a natural person and you're not on a shit ton of drugs, I think doing some form of heavy loading a couple times a week is probably ideal to keep that tissue while you're cutting down. And then from there, you make the call of how lean you want to be versus how much muscle mass you want to lose. Now, again, if you're going to lose weight, lose body fat, you're going to lose muscle. It's just part of it. Even the guys in the best drugs in the world uh, don't get leaner and lose a bunch of weight and keep all their muscle. Just It's, it's impossible to happen. So especially if you're doing it the natural way, the right way, uh, and the safe way, uh, you, there's going to be some muscle loss along the way. But I think what you'll find is the leaner you get, the more muscular you'll look, the more you know ripped you'll be. And your friends will say, oh man, you're huge and you're jacked. And what they really mean is you're ripped. And uh, hopefully that helps. Next question, Mobark675, do you have sex? Yes, Mobar, I do have sex. I'm old and married, and I've been having sex since I was probably 15 years old. So, yeah, long time. Uh, thanks, thanks, for the, <laughs> thanks for the question. Uh, next one, my thoughts on 24-hour fasts, although uh, I don't take them. My thoughts on pre-workout supplements. 24-hour fasts, uh, for sure. Uh, I'm a fan of them. I will do them periodically as well, whether it be planned or sometimes my schedule in life just gets crazy. Or, or honestly, what happens to me sometimes, you guys, I'm just like you. I'm busy. I have a lot of stuff going on. We're doing you know, multiple things in our businesses, multiple things in my personal life and training for me and, and goals and things I want to accomplish and do. And then trying to obviously connect and, and touch base with everybody I need to touch base with. I'll sometimes get caught in between meals. So meaning I get home and it's like four o'clock. And I kind of have a choice to make. I'm like, A, do I eat right now and then be kind of hungry at like 8.30 or 9? Or do I just wait till like 5 or 6 and just eat one meal for the day? And odds are I'll look back at my day and like, oh, I might not have ate yesterday until 6. So I, I kind of, you know, I guess accidentally fasted for 22, 23, 24, 25 hours by that mark. Or sometimes I'll do it anyway if I have a, a you know, if I go... A little hard on vacation or a little hard on a, on a treats and cheats one day I might you know I'm, I'm eating at six o'clock and I get done eating at seven I might not eat the next day till seven because I'm busy I'm traveling and I had an abundance of calories from the day before uh, so again I do think uh, for some people it's helpful it, it, you can you can learn a lot about yourself obviously you're gonna be at a caloric deficit so weight loss and fat loss is gonna happen obviously quickly I think staying hydrated is key if you're gonna do a 24-hour fast uh, mental clarity, you guys have to really see it through. It's going to be ebbs and flows. You're going to be hungry one hour and not hungry the next. And you got to kind of have to win those battles if you're really trying to make it 24 hours. And I guess the question I'd ask is like, why do you want to fast for 24 hours? 
what's the point, what's the purpose, and why do you want to do it? I'm not knocking it either way. I'm just saying asking yourself why you would choose to do it. But I do think, like anything, when it's a mental challenge, you can learn a lot about yourself. Like, I, like again, about a month ago, I hiked the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim. Uh, it's a mental battle, for sure. And you learn a lot about yourself attrition-wise, uh, what you can and can't do, what you're willing to push yourself through when you think you're going to quit and crack and just give up. Um, you just kind of keep moving forward. And I think... A 24-hour fast is very similar for a lot of you guys. If you've never fasted before for more than 16 hours, doing another eight for some of you is its a game changer. It's going to be different. and uh, You might crack and you might fail a couple of times, but if you can keep pushing that window, you'll learn something about yourself. It'll teach you to go without. It'll teach you to mean what you say and do what you say and follow through on something. Um, so that way, if you're stuck somewhere and you're only surrounded by shitty food and you don't want to eat it, but you're quote-unquote starving, which, let's be honest, anybody listening here is not fucking starving. We live in America. We can buy 5,000 calories for 5 bucks anywhere we go. It'll teach you to be able to go without at that party. It'll teach you to sit at a pizza place with your friends and homies when they're eating pizza and the crushing beers when you have different goals and you're just going to choose to eat a salad or eat nothing and just drink water and go about your day and just enjoy their company. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that, but it will be able to push you through those scenarios and push you through those instances where you're stuck in those places. I've done it multiple times, but I'm different. I'm weird. Uh, the people who know me obviously know who I am and they know what I'm about, so nobody judges me at this point. It was hard early on. You're going to have to you know, be the change, and then people will think it's strange and weird, but uh, it's okay. But once you do it once or twice, um, you'll have, it'll give you the mental fortitude to be able to say no to things. Uh, like when you go to the grocery store and the first time you, know, you want to grab you know, carrot cake and you don't. You know, the first time you want to grab Captain Crunch and you don't, you say, fuck it, and you make a better choice. And again, you might sit there in the aisle and look at it. You might pick it up. You might actually put it in your cart, go around the store, and then halfway through, you just dump it and put it in a random aisle. And yes, I'm speaking from personal experience. I've done that probably a thousand times in my life where I've been somewhere. I've put Cinnamon Toast Crunch in my cart. You know, I've put, you know, cookies in my cart. I've put other things in there, pizzas and, and shit. And then I went around and I thought about my goals or did whatever. And I grabbed three random things. I'm like, you know what? I don't need this today. I can delay this gratification for something else. And I think when you're doing fasting, I think that's what it teaches you, obviously, to eat in a smaller window so you have less chance to fuck up throughout your day. But two, it shows that you can go without something. And it shows that you can delay gratification for a goal bigger than what is going on today. And I always equate that to, you know, the Dave Ramsey stuff, you know, uh, in terms of paying off debt and living a financial free life. And the quote, it's, it's right in front of me here in our home office. I'll read it again. You guys have heard me say it before. If you will live like no one else, later you can live like no one else. If you'll make sacrifices now that most people aren't willing to make, later on you'll be able to live as those folks will never be able to live. And then my wife has a bunch of goals here um, for the dates of us to pay off our house uh, and then take this next big trip to Thailand and all the other fun stuff we want to do. The point being is this. When you do that, when you're saying no, when you're pushing things off, it's you delaying gratification today Paying the price for something now, that's going to pay off from you the next day, the next day, and a year from now. So I guess, yes, I'm a fan fan of fasting in general. I think there's a mental aspect to it, too, that uh, when you can control your habits, when you control your impulses, when you control your indulgences, when you can control your flesh, uh, you can control a lot of shit in the real world, man. It makes you a pretty fucking badass human uh, mentally, which if you can control that, man... You can do almost anything. And the next one, pre-workout supplements. Uh, yeah, I don't really take them. Uh, I, I've taken everything probably in the past. Uh, for me, pre-workout stuff, cold brew, coffee. Uh, I do a lot. Uh, espresso, for sure. Um, if I get fancy, I might do an almond milk latte. Uh, but again, it's all coffee-based. That, that's how I roll. I love coffee. I'm addicted to it. It's uh, My wife says she, she couldn't live without it. She says it's her favorite thing in the world. I don't know if it's my favorite thing in the world, but it's probably like top 10 uh, like good coffee, not the cheap shit. 
Um, but I'll drink whatever I can in, in a pinch if I need uh, the boost to go. But pre-workout stuff back in the day, uh, I remember as a kid, we would take like uh, NO Explode, which really basically only made me like shit my pants. So, and again, nothing against them. I, I'm sure, I, I don't know if it was me or them or a combo of me and the, the old NO Explode, so I was not a fan of that. I remember a lot of people used to love Jack 3D uh, back in the day. Uh, what is it? Craig Caprizo's, uh, he's on the C4 kick, so he does C4. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. What I used to take. Uh, MRI did the black powder. I actually like that. Uh, that wasn't bad. I, I would take that with like their beta alanine mix, things like that. I think, honestly, when you look at the pre-workout stuff, you guys, most of it's just caffeine-based. Uh, some of them might throw a creatine in there or like a beta alanine in there or like a niacin to give you a face flush. My two cents, if you can go the natural route, I think it's probably best. So coffee would be ideal, and I think it's probably the cheapest. Go get yourself two shots of espresso and just book it. Or get a small cold brew and crush that if you need it. I mean, that's really concentrated, and I think you're fine. Now, again, I'm not judging anybody. You do what works for you. But most of those are just are caffeine-based, and uh, if you just need a caffeine kick, there's a, there's a lot of natural ways to get that without all the... Uh, the foo-foo frilly shit that they add into it. And again, I'm not against it. If you're doing it once in a while, that's fine. And if you, ha if you have a pre that you really like, shoot me a message. Uh, I'm happy to read about it and hear about it and give you my you know, educated two cents. But I'm a coffee person uh, above all else because it's natural. There's a lot of benefits to coffee, I believe, other than just the caffeine kick it gives you. And uh, it will help you, you know, work out a little bit better. So hopefully that helps. And last question. This is bbars.amid. What is the best plan, including supplements, to get in summer shape body in three months? Uh, you know, the best plan, including supplements, if you guys want a free supplement guide, again, we, we have so much, I have so much, you guys, we have so much content. We have so many videos. We have so many PDFs. Have, there's so much stuff. I, I forget half the shit that I've even written and put together. There's so much of it. So if you want a free supplement guide, I'm happy to send it out or give you my two cents. Um, and we have a podcast on supplements as well. But what is the best three-month plan to get in summer shape? Eat protein, eat vegetables, train hard, get quality sleep, uh, don't stress about stupid shit, and just be patient with the results. And wash, rinse, and repeat and do that until the day that you die. Not just for three months, but for the next 33 years. Uh, I wish I could sell you guys something sexier than that, but that's just the reality. Um, and I said this uh, yesterday when we were having a, a conversation after a group Metcon session our advanced one, which is terrible, as I come back to life slowly, I said I would be so much more successful if I was willing to lie to people. I would be so much more successful financially if I was willing to sell people horse shit and dress things up and make them seem better or easier than they are. But that's not what I'm about, and it doesn't make me a saint. Obviously, we make a, a ton of money doing this, and I'm, but I work super hard for it, so I, I feel I fucking deserve it. Uh, but what I mean is when I say successful, I could make so much more money selling the wrong shit because it's so easy to do. It's so easy to sell people this fantasy, fictional, fake fucking dream that they can do it a lot quicker, a lot simpler, and give them the easy way out to attain a body and a look and a feel that they want. And they might be able to get it for the short term, but it's not reality. Um, it doesn't work that way. If it did, you guys, I would do it and I would sell that to you. I, I'm not trying to make things harder. We don't structure things so we can make way more money out of every single person. That's not what this is about. I didn't get into fitness for that. Uh, I don't believe that's what this is. The internet didn't even like, the, the internet was not this when I first started training people in 2005. It just wasn't. And even when Facebook first came out and I had a business page, people thought I was complete dipshit because of it. So the reason I share that is we do things the right way. Everything we coach here, 
everything. We do not sell standalone products anymore. If you're in any groups of mine, whether it's the cheapest group we offer or the most expensive transformation program we do, I answer every question from everybody, no matter what. If you ask it, I'll answer it. If I don't know the answer, I'll get it from somebody. And the only things I ever sell here, no matter how we package them, if it's 35 days or 47 days, now the, the training programs might change, the eating protocols might be different styles, for sure, if we do a fasting program, you know, versus like, if, if, if we ever did like a keto program or if we did a paleo program or whatever it was, it's all the same stuff. It's eating real food that nourishes your body, makes you feel good, and is inside your macro ranges. Now, if that eating protocol differs because it's fasting versus keto, because it's paleo versus, you know, carb backloading, it still essentially is all the same. Now, we can change the workouts. We can change the, the rest time and the structures. We can build some of the programs to have, you know, a personal development component to it. We can make some of them be more mobility heavy. But at the end of the day, everything we do, we coach here is eat real food, move your body with purpose, do it in a way that's going to match your goals. So if you want to be big and jacked, that's different. If you want to be, you know, more slender and, and, and not as, as muscle heavy, we'll put you on a different program and we might have you eat a different way inside of that. But no matter what, if you're lifting, you know, heavy ass shit or if you're doing just hypertrophy workouts, if you're doing all Metcon stuff or it doesn't matter. Point is, is how to get in the best shape in three months, eat real food, train hard, get good sleep, don't stress. And do that every single day for the rest of your life. And three months from now or 30 years from now, it'll be the same answer. I'll never change it. Uh, there's no, no magic to anything else other than that. So hopefully that helps uh, answer that question. I know it isn't, isn't that sexy and it isn't that fancy, but so many people are out there buying the wrong shit and investing in complete bullshit. And these, you know, when you really pull up the, the, the number of, and I'm not going to say certain things. I don't want anybody to come attack me here and send me a cease and desist letter. This is the shit we deal with sometimes. That's for a different podcast altogether. But uh, I'm not going to call any specific, you know, fitness products out or fitness supplements out or different things. But they're really, a lot of them are just out to get your money. Uh, and they're just out to, you know, sell you a pipe dream and sell you a bunch of shit that, you know, in all reality, it, it, it's going to elicit like really short term results or no results at all. And it's basically like putting a, a band-aid on a gunshot wound. It really doesn't fix anything. It just prolongs the problem and it, it puts you further back. And a lot of people come into my office, especially when they hear me, and I do it with padded gloves if I know you're a person who can't take the realness of what you're hearing on the podcast, but you're tuning into the podcast, so uh, I don't really give a shit. You're, you're here to hear my opinion and I'm an expert on my opinion uh, for sure. But when people sit across from me, and they say certain things and I tell them, here's the reality. You got 55 pounds to lose. If you crush it for a year, it would take you the entire year and that would still be really fast. For most of you, if you're going to be a little bit more lax, it's probably a two-year process. And they look at me like that's the like I told them they're going to die. They look at me like that's the worst news they could have heard. I've been like, are you kidding me? If someone told me when I was dead broke, I could have been a multimillionaire in two fucking years, sign me up, dude. And there's a way I could do it in a year. I'll do whatever you tell me to a T. Sign me up and I'll do it. Or if I want to take more time, I'll take two years. That's cool because I'm dead broke now. I'd love to have millions of dollars in two years. That's essentially what I'm telling them. Hey, you're, you're not happy with how you look and move and feel today, but if you really crush it for a year or two, your whole life will change. And they, they, it seems so off of them because they heard down the street they could go on this crazy diet, eat 500 calories a day, and in 60 days they could lose 30 pounds. I'm like, that's cool. But what happens when 60 days is up? What happens on day 61? What happens on day 91? What happens a year from now when all that weight comes back 
and the yo-yo shit in your your central nervous system, your hormones are fucked, you have adrenal fatigue, you have 97 other different problems because you weren't eating right and you weren't training. The reality is all you guys have to do is you have to really understand that eating right is hard to do. It's very simple in theory, but it's hard in application. And being consistent every single day with how you eat and how you train and how you think about yourself and how you speak to yourself and how you think about your life and not being your own worst enemy and not tearing yourself down and not being hard on yourself because you didn't eat fucking perfect, you didn't have a perfect fucking workout. It doesn't matter. There is no perfect. It's just us as humans. We're flawed. We fuck up. We do stupid shit. But we learn from it. And over time, we get older. We gain knowledge, hopefully, and we do less stupid stuff. We fuck up less. We make a better food choice. We make a better eating choice. We get to bed a little bit earlier. We don't have that extra drink. That's all it is. There's nothing else. And that's all I'm ever going to sell you guys. And I know if I did it a different way, I could probably already be retired by now. But my legacy on this earth is not about how much money I have and the fancy shit I can buy with it. It's actually helping people because I know too much to tell you otherwise. Like the old saying goes, if you know better, you know, you do better. And, you know, they say if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But if it could be better... It's as good as broken. And obviously the system that we're in, I think a lot of the shit is fucking broken. And there's a lot of people making money and selling people fucking pipe dreams that aren't going to really pan out. And I'm here to be, you know, whatever echo of, of noise and whatever, you know, light I can be in a, in a place where people are believing the wrong stuff. And so if anybody's selling you guys anything else other than that, they're doing you a huge disservice. So you have to learn how to eat. You have to understand the power of food and what it has in your body. You have to understand what macros are. You have to understand what's coming in, what's going out. You have to be consistent with your training. You have to move your body every single day. And you have to stop spending your time doing a bunch of low return activities and stressing about shit that doesn't matter and really take care of yourself from the inside out. Because if you're healthy inside, the, the crazy thing is the byproduct is this outside body will start to look and move and feel the way that you guys want to. So hopefully that answers all of your questions. I know I went a little bit off here, but that's what I tend to do because it does matter to me, you guys. If you cannot tell... Um, I am passionate about it. I do care about it because I see it. Um, I see how it affects people negatively. I see how it, it it changes who they are. It takes away from their self confidence. It takes away from how inspired and motivated they are. And on the flip side, I see when people do change, when they change how they eat, when they change how they train, and a year from now, two years later, and they look like a different person. The way that they put on clothes, the way they walk into a room, their confidence, their fucking swagger they have. It's amazing to see. And the fact that we can play any small part in that. Is, uh, it's pretty cool, and that's why I wake up as early as I do every day, and that's why I try to do all this stuff to reach as many people as possible uh, because it's a powerful thing. And if that's my legacy on this earth, then that's what it will be. So anything else you guys want to hear on the podcast, whether it's Q&A stuff, guests, or anything in between, hit me up, let me know. I'm happy to bring them on or record or speak on it if I can in any intelligent way whatsoever. Uh, if you're on iTunes right now or on Apple products, if you have an iPhone, iPad, MacBook, stop. Do not be a lazy ass. If we provided you any value whatsoever, drop us a five-star and leave a comment. I love seeing the comments, you guys, for better or for worse. Uh, just give me your honest opinion. I'm, I'm happy to see it. And uh, I think later this week, if we can, I think Friday, I'm going to try to get Colleen Fosh on. Colleen is qualified for the CrossFit Games. She is a badass. She outlifts most dudes who listen to this podcast. So I'm going to get her on here. We're going to talk about uh, you know, her training, her lifestyle, uh, you know, college career till now, qualifying for the CrossFit Games, uh, some of her PR stuff so I can humble all my homies I went to college with and all my friends who still quote-unquote kind of lift um, and see how much more badass she is because she is a gangster. So she'll be a, she'll be a great guest. It'll be nice to, to provide some value uh, for, from her to you guys as well. And uh, short of that again, Mentor Mobility Program is kicking off here in about 
four days and 20 hours. If you guys want to get down on that and improve your mobility and work with me and learn a lot of stuff about mobility, uh, I'll give you guys a specific discount code to save you a couple bucks for that. And uh, you'll learn a lot about yourself, your imbalances and your body inside there. And I promise you afterwards, it'll be, you'll, be, you'll be sore uh, for the first couple days, but you will feel substantially better uh, when it is all said and done. I know that. So, uh, but anything else you guys need from me, just ask. And I think that is it for tonight. So I'm going to go watch this NBA Finals game. Hopefully they can extend the series because I love watching legit NBA basketball. Because in the finals, they actually really try. So I dig it. So until next time, you guys, uh, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, just keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.